You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me today are two of my three usual panelists, freelance writer Tom Chick. Whoa, 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 I didn't know I was going to go first. I was actually sipping uh, coffee, and if anyone needs one of these, let me know. I will get you a coffee. That okay, now so you go to Julian. That was so I, smooth. I know. I really, you went first last I, I was totally caught off guard. Troy, you're unpredictable. Damn it. You're a loose cannon. That's part of my charm. And freelance writer Julian Murdoch. Hello. I'm I'm out on the uh, West Coast this time, so I'm not drinking a martini. I'm actually just drinking like water and coffee, too. So this will be remarkably sober. Uh, at the risk of, of doing a, hey, what'd you do all weekend podcast, I, I'm curious, Julian, what are you doing on the West Coast? Oh, my wife's family is here, and uh, we actually spent most of the last four days abalone diving on the Mendocino coast. Whoa, can we do a podcast about that? We should, totally. Abalone diving is the bomb. It's, it's is there a strategy feel- involved in diving for abalone? Because that There's might actually be a tremendous amount of strategy. You have to like get your maps right, and get the terrain, get your equipment loadout correct for the environment. Now, this is you just know. skin diving. Are you scuba diving? No, you can't scuba dive for abalone. That that would be called poaching. That would, that would be cheating. It's like uh, using a cheat code, isn't it? It's exactly. Well, it would be sort of like using like a speed hack or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you Troy, quit. You guys are, this, are terrible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> See, Tom, everything with you is a strategy game. I know. That's life. Yeah, exactly. I can do that. There. In fact, I got a comment on today's blog saying that... Uh, I only call Sims a strategy game because it leads to hits or something. Well, <laughs> that you're is all about the hits. Because yeah, I am all about the hits, uh, and that is true. I mean, people, uh, you know, The Sims is a very popular game, and just because you know we don't put it under the rubric of strategy games, just because we can, it, it does belong there. Sometimes strategy games are also popular games. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Damn it! Sometimes the cool kids play our games too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, today's topic is uh, the last six months in strategy gaming, 2009 so far, and looking forward. I uh, uploaded my post today, which is Monday, uh, my regular uh, look back at January through June, picking the three games that I think uh, stand out. But I'd like to hear from you guys uh, the best strategy moments, most important strategy moments, greatest disappointments you've had so far um, in 2009. Why don't you tell us uh, what you picked, though? I picked the three strategy games that I liked uh, so far this year. The three best ones are The Sims 3, Demigod, and Dawn of War 2. And I really had very little trouble coming up with those three titles. It's been a fairly strong year so far, but I think those three games stand out each for very different reasons. Sims 3, uh, because it's a big improvement on an already very solid model. It is just as addictive as it's always been, and I think it's become a much better game through the addition of uh, the Moodlets, which I know you're a big fan of, Tom, and the Expansive Town. Demigod is just the perfect, fast, tactical RTS RPG, where you're always adjusting to what your opponent is doing, uh, how the map changes in front of you, depending on which flags are controlled. Um, the more I play it, the more I love it. And Dawn of War 2, I said in the post, is what epic games really are. We think <laughs> and here's where you get all pedantic on us, right, but right, go ahead. Right, get it's pedantic. a fair point. 
Yeah, I would say, I've written this post before how people use epic as a synonym for big, when in fact an historical epic has you know a central character and it's small, just big things are happening around them. It's about the development of that character. Achilles, Gilgamesh, Odysseus, they're not epics because they're big, they're epics because it's a hero. Relic gets epic, since Company of Heroes and Dawn of War 2, it's about small numbers of units, a lot of big stuff happening around them, working with what you have. And that's what Dawn of War 2 does perfectly. Now, I noticed, Troy, you you list them in that order. Is that uh, because you would prefer them in that order? Yes, that is the reverse uh, order. I think uh, Dawn of War 2 is, my, is the best strategy game of the year so far, though I did leave room for Demigod to, to climb up the list if they keep up the updates. Ah, like maybe when the two new gods come, you might like Demigod when Dawn of War 2. There's always a possibility. Uh-huh. That happened. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, that, I mean, those were the three, I mean, those are the three sort of obvious ones, and I don't mean that to, in any way. No, no, they, little, they, they, they are obvious. Um, but, but for me, I just from a personal player perspective, not like writing a review of what checks the boxes, my actual play experiences with Demigod far surpassed the enjoyment I've gotten out of Sims 3 uh, or uh, anything else that we've been talking about. Um, and, and, and that sort of surprised me. I actually had to do a little soul-searching and think about like the, the fun player moments. Now, the, the flip side of that is some of my most frustrating want-to-throw-a-glass-through-the-screen-of-my-computer moments have also <laughs> been in Demigod not actually playing the game trying to play the game. Um, so I probably spent as much time in lobbies for Demigod as I have in actual gameplay, but the actual gameplay moments in Demigod are by far my favorite strategy moments of the year so far. Now, I, I'm curious, before we move on to you, Julian, because I, I have a prediction about you that, that I'll bring up only after you have said your favorite so that I can then confirm that my prediction is right before I make it. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask you, Right, you were uh, you were kinder than than some of us to Empire Total War. Did that uh, enter into your like? Did you consider that as one of your favorites this year? I still like it uh, better yeah. than I think most people do. Uh, I think the patches have helped some. Um, I kind of you know I've said that I really regret not noticing the naval invasion thing when I was doing my review. That's what happened if you have a review done in a week. <laughs> you just think you're really good. at <laughs> You just think you're really good at stopping naval invasions. <laughs> they don't uh, dare invade you by the sea. They know better. <laughs> I was sinking fleets left and forth. They couldn't invade. They didn't have any boats. Um, but I, so I, the, I, would it, would it, may, it would probably be uh, probably number five okay. on my list. And number so four would four. be uh, Plants vs. Zombies. Oh, yeah. So, I, so with a caveat, uh, I haven't played um, Dawn of Discovery, though I doubt that would have made the list. Or mm-hmm. Men of War, which people are telling me would have had a shot of making the list. So, which uh, isn't that please. just a uh, boy that I that's so below my radar. That's just like a World War II RTS, right? I'm confusing it. There's an upcoming RTS called Order of War. Yes, and I realize that there's nothing in my brain that distinguishes between the two of them beyond one word in the name. No, Men of War is a World War II RTS um, published by One C, and they have a standalone expansion coming out. Um, called you know, Red Tide, Rising Tide, Red Dawn, Crimson Tide, something like that. Men of War uh, got very, very uh, positive remarks from very smart people. Um, uh, Rock Paper Shotgun, I think it was 
Alec or Kieran, one of them gave it a strong endorsement over there. And I've heard really good things about it, but I haven't tried a demo. I haven't played the game. Uh, it's just one of those things that's on my backlog of strategy games I have to get to. And, uh, and isn't it just a uh, sort of an evolution of their... Uh, didn't they have like a Soldiers of World War II? I mean, wasn't there some similarly generically titled World War II RTS, and this is sort of an iteration of that, or am yeah, I wrong? Yeah, that's the impression that I got. I mean, it's, it's sort okay. of a, it's a sequel to Soldiers Heroes uh, of World War II. Um, and so I had really no expectation for it whatsoever, but everyone I talked to who's played it says it's worth a look. So now I've got to uh, try to track down a copy of it. Yeah, so I'm with you there. That's the only thing this year like that would qualify, I think, as a bona fide strategy game that I just have no concept of whatsoever. Uh, Julian, have you played a lot of uh, Men of War? No, <coughs> no. <laughs> he doesn't like he doesn't like World War Two games. I, I, it's not true. I, I mean, Advanced Squad Leader. That's a, that's a, that's World War Two, isn't it? That's one of my favorite games of all time. But that's not on the computer. Um, but so if, we're, you if pick... we're going to allow this to slide into non-computer territory, the non-computer game Dominion, which yesterday won Spiel des Jahres the best game in the German game show. As well uh, it should. As, as well it should. Uh, easily the best pen and paper game I've played all year. Yes, this is Dominion, not Dominions. Uh, a wonderful uh, card and collecting. Card and deck building. Yeah, it's a, a deck building game, right. One of the many things that uh, Bruce has taught me over the last year and a half over Brettspiel and... It's the type of game where, depending on what cards are available to you, your strategy changes entirely. Right. Uh, based on how the decks are set up. It's a wonder, I'm, I'm really glad it won. So that, that is your strategy game of the year. That would, I mean, if we, can, if we can dip outside the digital waters, there's, there's little question in my mind that that would be it. When? What's it called? Domitian. Spiel de Jar, which is the big German, it's the Oscars of... Uh, like paper strategy games. <laughs> Spill the jar. Spiel, spiel, which means game. Oh. Ah. Jar, meaning of the year. Oh, that's what that Brett Spielvelt thing. Yes. That, that's something game something. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning German now. I see. Spiel, spiel would be. So German. why didn't Agricola win? Because that came out last year. They could just give it to Agricola again. It's that good, right? It is. It may have won last year. I don't even remember. It should have. Okay. Didn't. Uh, so, digitally speaking... Uh, yeah, so yeah, computer games, let's, yeah. So, so, well, so digitally, well, digitally speaking, it would be um, it would be Demigod, just from a pure fun factor. I mean, I loved... Uh, Plants vs. Zombies, again, almost falls off my radar because it's so light and fun, I didn't really think of it as a like deep strategy game. Um, but, but really, like, I think strategy, the stuff that I got out of Demigod, some of those 4-on-4 four and 5-on-5 four and five five matches that I played with the Gamers with Jobs guys that went on for, you know, an hour and a half, and then we do a rematch, and then we do another hour and a half, and then we do a rematch for the, you know, for the you know, Ruler of the Universe title. And those were just awesome, awesome games. And, uh, you know, I, I'd love to be able to play more of it. I can't wait to see what they do with it. I desperately want new maps and new Demigods. And that game needs expansion bad. I was a little worried that we might double up on our picks. Uh, I, actually, I wasn't considering what I've chosen, but... Uh, it's but, something uh, really obscure that we're all going to sit there and go, Oh, Tom's so smart. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's going to be, Oh, Tom's such a freak, I, I think. This uh, on his beret and champion something. <laughs> <laughs> 
Polish subtitles from Werner Herzog. Uh, Julian would be, uh, would, <laughs> wow, a Werner Herzog strategy. By the way, so, uh, I saw Up recently, and the yes. whole time that I'm watching it, I don't know if you guys have seen Up, it's, uh, Not yet. this isn't a spoiler because it's on the billboard, it's about a guy who, uh, floats his house somewhere with balloons. The whole time I'm watching Up, I'm thinking, wow, this is kind of like the Pixar version of Fitzcarraldo. Uh, <laughs> So that's that's my beret wearing uh, comment. It has nothing to do with strategy games, but someone mentioned Werner Herzog. Troy, I blame you. Yeah. Well. Uh, so so anyway, Julian, what I was curious about is whether or not the Xbox Live Arcade version of Magic: The Gathering is uh, high in the ranking for you. Um, no, only because it, as a it's such a short morsel of a game. Um, that all it really did was serve to drag me and screaming back into playing real magic, which I am ashamed to say I have been doing. I've been playing Magic the Gathering online, and it's uh, you know it's as good as it ever was, and it changes you know every three months whether you want it to or not. And we we you know we've been through all the pros and cons, but uh, it, you know it's it's I think it's a brilliant marketing exercise as much as it's a good game. Right, the game was already there, and what they did was figure out a really brilliant marketing exercise to get new people to play it. Okay. Uh, and did you have others that were close for you, or was it was it pretty much far and away demigod? I, when I really had to think about fun, that was really what it came down to. I mean, I had a lot of fun with Dawn of War Two, um, but but ultimately the the multiplayer aspect is really important to me, and I like playing demigod multiplayer much more than I like playing Dawn of War Two multiplayer. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So for for me, I ended up. Uh, I think this will be live by the time it's broadcast. But my uh, half year uh, game of the year awards as well, like like Troy. Except I didn't because uh, my site Fidget, the site for the Sci Fi Channel, is more general interest. So it wasn't just strategy games. But of the ten games I picked, um, three and arguably four are strategy games. So the one that ended up at the top is the one that. I'm not even going to try to make a case for being a strategy game, because you guys are just going to... You would shout me down. It's a downloadable PlayStation game about killing zombies. It's like Geometry War, but with zombies. It's called Burn Zombies Burn. And even though it's very action-y, there's a lot of sort of strategy to it in terms of, like, what weapons you use and how long do you keep zombies alive. So, you know what? Something is Burn Zombie Bums, I've heard it referred to. (laughs) Burn Zombie Bums? Yeah, it's like a... all the time. Like like saucy British bomb. humor, like yeah, okay, exactly. Uh, but I'm not going to pick that. I mean, I just liked that a lot. I'm not going to make the case that that's a strategy game. So The Sims Three, oh my God, both made the list. Uh, one of my disappointments with Sims Three, Troy, mm-hmm. as a strategy game, is it, it it ended up being pretty easy for me to sort of min max. Like there wasn't there's, there's so much personality there, and I love it. But as far as the challenge of a strategy game, the, there didn't seem to be a lot. It's awfully forgiving. Uh, so I end up playing it for the personality more than sort of the challenge, even in bigger households. Because uh, the Sims are a lot smarter, they can sort of fend for themselves better. So it doesn't quite satisfy for me that sort of strategy gaming Jones. Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. A lot of uh, the Sims uh, strategies, I guess, staying power will come down to how many new challenges you can create for yourself. Right, right, um, exactly. Many, instead of tra- uh barriers it can throw up in front of you like and so yeah Go yeah ahead. and so i don't yeah so that's that's part of why it didn't rank higher for me i adore it as a game but as far as like a strategy game uh it wasn't my favorite of the year um so i i was out uh 
I, I was I met someone this weekend and she says to me what and, you know I had to do that whole thing explain what I do for a living which I'm just terrible at doing I hate that conversation and she asks me to be polite not because she really wanted to know she asked me what's your favorite video game and I just I I have no idea what to say to that I, so uh, I just kind of <laughs> ignored the question and asked her something and and then had one of those moments. And there's even a French word for this. And if I was really snooty, I could think it out. But the French have a term for a, a, a moment, like a phrase that you think of as you're walking down the stairs away from a parlor conversation. It's called something like the, the, the comment on the stairs or something. But it's something that you should have said, but you only think of it when you're on the stairs leaving. And later on, I, I was sort of turning over in my head, what, what sh- I should be ready for this this question, what's your favorite video game? You know, I should know what to say at that moment when I'm talking to real people. And it sort of leads to why this is my favorite strategy game of the year. What I really like in a video game, because I see so many video games, and and I see so many of them that do things that I've previously done a little better, and they do it very well. And The Sims 3 is like that. I, I experienced that in The Sims 2, and The Sims 3 is that same kind of thing, but better. Dawn of War 2, it's very much like the original Dawn of War, but better. So what I love in a video game is a game that shows me something new, that, that sort of brings me to a different place, uh, that, that, that creates uh, almost this, a separate world that I haven't experienced before. So it's a little unfair to pick this, but I just love this world. It's a sequel. For, for me, my favorite strategy game is, is Patapon 2 this year, uh, which is... It's an extension of Patapon, but it's just such, it's just a place I really like being. I really like those little Patapons. I really like the basic strategy of equipping them. What's totally new in Patapon 2 is this evolution tree where you can basically put different clothes on your Patapons, and that's where most of the strategy is. And then there's all the stuff with the beats. So that, that was my favorite video gaming place to go this year in terms of strategy games. Really? But, but I thought you were going to say Fall from Heaven Fall from Heaven 2. That's <laughs> not... That, yeah, no, that's not... Uh, I don't know, do we call that released yet? Or? Well, that's just... The, I, but you were talking about New Worlds. For a moment there, I thought you were going to go with Fall from Heaven 2. I just found... I found... Pat, I mean, I played maybe four hours of Patapon 2, and, and it just wasn't new enough for me to really get into it. I, I, maybe I'm... I mean, I, I see fair. what you're saying, and I see that they've they've definitely taken the parts of it that were strategic and fairly anemic in Patapon and beefed them up, right? So the you know being able to sort of choose and equip your heroes and evolving your Kumi ponds and all that stuff that that all makes it more interesting and more strategic. You have more decisions to make other than just playing through levels and grinding for hides and tusks and whatever. So I do well, get all that. But I would agree with you, Julian, that it's not new enough if you're looking at it in comparison to Patapon 1. Like, if, if Patapon 1, if that basic thing, like if you had some reservations or you weren't crazy about it, there's not a lot that's going to change your mind in Patapon 2. But to me, that gameplay model, this sort of rhythm-based, just you're grooving with really cool little creatures, that's still new to me. I mean, I still dig that so much, and there's nothing else that does that for me. You just like being worshipped like a god. Well, they, you know what? I mean, you're, you're, I, I don't, maybe you're joking, maybe you're not, but it does such a good job that, too. No, I'm, well, I'm drawing I'm you into this I'm, game. I world. like being worshipped like a god, too. I, I mean, I <laughs> totally get into that part of it. Uh, it's one of those games, too, where a lot of times you're playing like an RPG or something and you name your character something stupid or some doofusy name. I just would not dream of doing that in Patapon 2. Because I want you no know, Medin, the little priestess, to call me by name. Like it, 
you know, Patapon 2 does an amazing job of drawing you in. You know, it includes you. While while you're dancing with the little guys, they talk to you. You know, they make fun of you if you miss the beat, or they uh, they cheer you on, uh, and they use your name. <laughs> so, so Patapon that, 2... My- is the reason that I should get a PSP? I think it's well, you know, it's it's reason really you should borrow a PSP. Yeah, because it's an esoteric game, Troy. I mean, I can completely understand why it wouldn't work, and it's sort of like I was saying. Part of why I dig it is it's so completely different, and right. it's something completely different from Sims or from any RTS. Uh, so uh, yeah, I would say you know borrow one, or next time you're over here and I'm getting you a coffee, I'll let you play. You didn't get my me coffee day last day. time. Well, I'll get you one next time. Uh-huh. So that's my pick. So I had another uh, one that I struggled with that I actually think it's in terrible shape, but I would float this as, as a strategy game. Has either of you guys seen Arma 2 yet? Not I'm not. Yet. I'm away from my computer. I'm on the road, and I'm dying to play it. Dying, dying, dying to play it. So it's, it's pretty frustrating right now because of the state it's in, but I, I really think of that. If, if you play Arma 2 as a shooter, you're doing it wrong. Uh, I really think of that as a strategy game. It's sort of about sussing out the situation, scouting, positioning your men. If it comes down to reflexes and shooting something quickly enough, you've you've already you've lost, basically. Lost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and there's even the, there's a multiplayer mode that you don't even have to play multiplayer. You can put bots in there called Warfare. That's basically a real time strategy game. Well, you know, uh, if we start doing that, then I have to toss another. I have to toss a nomination in, which is the okay. Hunter. Did, have you what? Did I, oh, that that uh, the guys <laughs> yeah. that did uh, oh rats. Just they, cause they've done a real game as just well. Just cause they did just cause right. and they did just cause two, and they took the just cause two engine and they made a super straightforward hunting simulation, which is entirely about strategy. You pull the trigger once every three hours. It's not about it's not right. about running through with shooting things at all. It's about figuring out terrain, managing your resources. Uh, no, I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to use the the the, the deer hunter clause on that. We're not going to have hunt be a strategy game. I, oh snap! You, wow, Troy just came down on you, Julian. This game has nothing to do with what you think of as hunting games. <laughs> if, I to, on you, Julian. if I if I had to put if I had to put an hour count, I would guess I put more time into the hunter this year than I have into any other game, and I hate hunting because yeah. it's it's because it's, it's boring. Oh, and cold. Well, snap. And well, cold. You can't counter that. You can't come back and say it's fun because he just said it's boring. No, I, t- I, t- I said hunting was boring. I'm not sure about the hunt. I haven't played the hunt. Okay. The, hunt the, the hunter. hunter. The hunter. Hunter, right. hunter, not the hunt, right? No, I'm just, I'm just inciting you guys to fight. It makes for you I know, can good tell. Fun. I can tell. Anyway, <laughs> if you're going to call Arma Two uh, a strategy game, then the hunter, I think, actually probably one ups it because it, the hunter is nothing but that component. Fair enough. I mean, they're fair enough. Uh, so, no love for Halo Wars, I guess. No. You know what? Halo Wars is one of the disappointments of the year, I think. Um, okay. Both because it was, you know, it's ensemble swan song, um, and it turned out to be, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. I'm still not persuaded uh, that an RTS, an RTS, has to be radically different to work in the console environment. Uh, it has to be a lot simpler. I mean, Halo Wars is a simple RTS, and still not quite simple enough, I think. Uh, to work with the traditional RTS model, you have to move more in the direction of, I think, End War, which I know you're a big fan of, Tom. Uh, that came out last November. Well, for the PC, it came out uh, this year. Um, oh, that's right, so I could put it on my list. The, the PC version came out in February 2009. Uh, but, so uh, Halo Wars has to be on my 
disappointment list, I think, um, with a lot of other stuff. Um, you know, uh, um, you you wrote about Elven Legacy some. Elven Legacy, uh, which, I, which I love. I, I love it, but I hate it because mm-hmm. it's just so damn hard. Have you played Elven Legacy, Tom? I have. I've looked at it, so no, I have not played it in earnest. I haven't uh, played it either. It's 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 fun. Well, it's fun. It's a useless term. It's a good traditional hex based. You guys have it fun. It's too vague. Yeah, it's it's not helpful. It, it, it's like saying that was a good book. Well, ultimately, why? it's ultimately the most helpful thing you can say. But yeah. was it fun? How many times have I explained something to somebody and then they ask, "But was it fun?" You you just it's need- not helpful, Julian, to someone who doesn't know you. Uh, it's not helpful without context. I think is, wh- is okay, why that's I personally that's sort of kvetch when when people try to talk about something as is fun. It, it, at least as far as it, it, it also it also may mean you need smarter friends, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly based on the two I'm sitting with. <laughs> Uh, and no so, love for Battleforge from anyone. I guess little, I haven't played that in so long. A little bit of love. I have a, uh, an acquaintance uh, in Portugal uh, who's on the quarter to three forum actually, and he would like to me uh, to revisit Battleforge with him. So I may do that in the next month or so and write up how my impressions have changed because it was a fair RTS. I thought, um, and I think we discussed how I didn't quite get what collectible card games were about. Um, it wants to be an easy RTS with people and friends, and really, and uh, easy collectible card game falls into being neither. Uh, None of us has played Blood Bowl, I guess. I've played Blood Bowl. Oh, oh, you have. Okay. I decided I decided I couldn't wait around for uh, them to get back to me with review copies, so I shelled out and bought it. Uh, Bill Abner talked me into joining the quarter to three based a league he set up. So I now have a now, goblin... that Bill Abner guy, be very careful of him, because I believe he's been hired as a viral marketer for the Blood Bowl. Well, I just, I want to float that out there. Anything Bill Abner says to you about Blood Bowl, you should regard with extreme suspicion, because I suspect... Oh, I know. ...financial incentive. Every every day for the last week or so, have you bought Blood Bowl yet? Have you bought Blood Bowl yet? Have you bought Blood yeah. Bowl yet? He's yeah. spamming my inbox with emails. I get I get three or four emails a day from the guy. Which, so which, which, which reminds me, he wanted me to remind you to get Blood Bowl. Oh, when did he, he email you? Yeah, I think I was CC'd on that email. Uh, he pretty much turned his blog, uh, what is it, nut and fight, nut, nutweasel.blogspot.com yep. into nothing but like the Blood Bowl blog. It's like every right. post five days has been about it. And we will be so, talking yeah. about Blood Bowl in an upcoming podcast. Um, but I had some time with it today, and I like it very much, but it's too soon for me to uh, form any fixed impressions mm-hmm. of it. There's some concern of whether the AI is cheating in dice rolls, but... <laughs> no, everyone. Everyone always says that. So. I, that is true, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, not understanding the random part. Um, uh, now you you mentioned earlier, Troy, that you weren't a big fan of the Anno series, but I, I think no. if if for people who don't have that sort of that that predisposition to not dig those games, uh, Dawn of Discovery is a very very good entry, I think, into the Anno is series. It? Yeah. So I think that's uh, I. I Cities with Cities XL coming out later this year, and mm-hmm. with Dawn of Discovery having just come out, that makes this a pretty good year for city builders. Oh, uh, good. So, Is there anything yeah. you want to say about Anno? Uh, to I mean, Matt, you're going to be reviewing it somewhere. Um, so, I think, as I briefly mentioned last week, it's it's just an iteration of Anno 1701, uh, and that's not a bad thing. They they throw in a bunch of nifty little tweaks, uh, like giving your ships more personality, and there's kind of a tech tree. 
uh, a new tech tree in there. Um, but it's just a good, solid city builder from a company that's been doing city builders for a long time. Uh, and I think that that gets a big thumbs up from me. Uh, now, but I haven't, I haven't made a lot of progress with it. I've been around the, with it so far. I really like it. For the last uh, couple of games, uh, the Anno people have been trying to make their games a lot less fussy. One of my big problems with the earliest games in the title was how hard they were to get a stable economy going. And so these were good, old-fashioned German city builders, where right. if you missed one part of the economic chain, your city would collapse, and all you could do was watch it collapse, because you'd get into a spiral of supply, demand, boom, bust, uh, until you found the magic uh, balance. How have what they addressed me about that? Yeah, what, what, and part of what they they rest that model on is this anno concept of different islands, and you can't just sit on one island and make a sprawling city center. I mean, anno the, the the series is founded on this idea that you have to extend your colony overseas. You you have to occupy more than one island. Right. Uh, and the problem with that is then you bring in shipping. You know, you've then got to play this little sort of shipping tycoon game with your ship going back and forth with different loadouts. So I haven't, that's, that's one of the things that's definitely a middle to late game part of Anno and Dawn of Discovery. Uh, I haven't really spent much time with how well they've improved the automation of that. So that's one reason that I'm I'm hesitant to sort of pass any kind of judgment on it. But I agree, yeah, that's a tough thing, is to create this intricate economy, you've got to link multiple islands, which is is uh, sort of inherently unwieldy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's... So what are the, the... I mean, I already said some of my disappointments. Do you guys have any titles that stand out for you as being just big letdowns? Uh, well, Empire, we've sort of gone right. there before. Yeah, I, I was, was pretty that disappointed was in that. that uh, Arma, if we do count it as a strategy game, Arma 2 is just in terrible shape. Uh, I'm just I'm just so put out with... Why is it in bad shape? You said it was... Well, basically, it's, it's, it's scripting bugs, it's AI bugs, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's poorly documented, it doesn't, and it doesn't behave the way you would expect it to. So I don't know if it's a matter of being broken or being a matter of me not understanding it. And the more I play and the more I sort of understand it, the more I realize how broken it is. Hmm. Uh, they do a lot of really ambitious open world stuff where you, uh, you, you have a series of missions. The missions can unfold in different ways. You can approach them. It's almost like a Fallout kind of structure. Like you come to a town hub and there's quests. Uh, and just their, their scripting is so broken. I mean, they're... Their scenario builder is good for saying, here's ten guys, they fight, you kill them, you're done. But once it gets more ambitious than that, uh, it, it, it just falls apart so easily. Uh, so it's, it's, it's incredibly frustrating to play. And uh, it's also, the engine is a little too ambitious. It, it can look good, but it doesn't run very well. So it's, yeah, I just don't, re- it's, it, at this point, it's a very, very disappointing game to me. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't have any giant uh, gaping disappointments other than Empire. I was really excited for Empire, and, right. and I just sort of found it to be a mess. Electronic Arts was kind of pushing their Godfather 2 open world game as having a strategy layer, which was in, uh-huh. which was also very, very disappointing. That was in terrible shape. There was, there was virtually no gameplay to it. Uh, so I would consider that a disappointment, because I think a lot of us sort of <laughs> felt that... 
that bullet point. Uh, you know, they called it like there was the dawn view, where you're supposed to be the the dawn of a of a mafia family, and and you're supposed to be running all your businesses, and uh, that was very disappointing this year. Um, I guess that's it for strategy games. Every, everything about Demigod except actually playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> See, I managed to do an end run around a lot of that by playing on the land so often. Uh, so my perspective is a little skewed in terms of the Demigod launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What about what's coming up? Well, that's the thing. What is, looking forward, uh, what are the big titles, strategy titles coming forward? The two big Paradox games uh, we saw at E3, Hearts of Iron 3 and East India Company. Of the two, I think I'm most curious about East India Company. because it sure. is Well, you and I talked a little bit about that, but I, we, we share a reservation, and I haven't seen a lot of this. And yep. I, it's my own fault because I could, I could boot up the preview build and look at it, but you and I share a reservation about how well they can make the actual combat work. Yeah. Uh, between the ships. I love what I've seen of the sort of the strategic layer, the trading of goods and whatnot, and the fleet management. That just looks... I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. But without a good ship combat module, uh, I do have some reservations about that. And I don't know if it has a good one or not. Uh, that's the part I know least about that game. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, naval combat's always hard to make interesting. I'm not sure why people even try. Uh, it's... To Norm Coger's credit, that the Distant Guns games, uh, his uh, early 20th century battleship games, are so enjoyable. Uh, even though it's mostly you know moving around ships on a very flat board. I mean that's what naval combat is. You move your. Well, now there's a question, Troy. So what did he do that made it interesting? Like how did he get around that? Um, it's an old story, but I think it's comes down to something as simple as the art. They're beautifully crafted models. The interface is so smooth. I just think they're very well... They're well-crafted. They understand what makes... Uh, what makes naval warfare interesting is the dance of the ships. It can't be just a... But I think Empire Total War got wrong was they tried to make it look really exciting and bloody and lots of fires and people jumping. It's Sid Meier's Pirates version of naval combat. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, which is all well and good and nice, but what makes naval combat interesting is the dance of the ships and the position. And you can only really get into that if you appreciate the ships. Hold on, I'm, um, I'm writing, I'm going to steal that because I love the way it sounds, so I'm writing this down, dance, dance of, of the, the ships. ships. Okay, there, I'm going to totally steal that. That is awesome. Go, go, go right ahead. Um, and I think Russo-Japanese War did that, and I think I've only played the, the demo of Jutland. Uh, I think it does that. It gets uh, what large naval, large vessel naval combat is about. Um, here we have uh, Nitro Studios doing it for East India Company. And for one thing, the fleet's going to be very small, which is great. Yeah, you're limited to five ships, I believe. Five ships per fleet, which is great, because it gives you very little to manage and worry about. But you also have to deal with annoying stuff, like if you, if you don't have wind to be important, then having sailing ships is useless. Might as well just be battleships. Right. But if you make wind too important, you make it too frustrating. Um, it's... And that's something that I guess that Norm didn't have to deal with. Like early 20th right. century, you know, you don't forget wind, we've got engines. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Right, and you can you can see the smoke on the horizon, you know when they're coming. Uh, you get a better idea of how fast they're coming at you because the wind's not changing. Um, I've, I'm trying to think if I've seen a good uh, age of sail uh, naval war game since, since Age of Sail, I guess. Um, the original Age of Sail, way back when. 
And even that wasn't great. But what are your concerns, Tom? You said you have some issues or well, worries. I haven't even looked at the. It's you know I I share your concerns. I mean about the inherent problems of doing an interesting naval combat game, especially old timey naval combat when you're supposed to be dealing with uh, more than one ship and even dealing with just one ship. I mean it's not. You know, what are you going to twiddle your thumbs and wait for the cannons to reload? I mean, that's so much of... Well, that's what most of those games do. I mean, even exactly. even you know the right. simplest ones that we've had, no matter how much they speed it up, there's an awful lot of, okay, well, it'll take me three minutes to get around behind the guy, and then I have to reload my left broadside. And yeah. Ah, but Julian, what you're missing, do you reload with grape shot? Chain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, that's, Does anyone that's ever sort of use- does anyone ever use chain? Well, you know what? Yes, when you want to steal the ship and you shred its sail so that it can't go anywhere, and then you pull up alongside it and you board it. You, you really need actually, to read your Jack Aubrey novels. Uh, yeah. Not for the, is that like Tom Clancy? I don't know those things. Uh, Master and Commander. Oh, oh, the Patrick Russell Crowe story. The things with Russell Crowe, right. I actually Patrick know those. O'Brien. How can right. you even play Age of Sail and not have read every single Patrick O'Brien novel? I'm not into science fiction or whatever that stuff is. <laughs> so if we're talking about what's coming up this year, to me, yeah. I mean, the if it actually comes out this year, Star, StarCraft Two is obviously the biggie, right? I mean, so while the, you guys talk about this, I'm going to take a nap. So go ahead, wake <laughs> me when you're done. I, I I mean, and I'm just you know I'm yeah pa- patiently curious. I will of course end up playing it. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested in that nobody that you guys have all completely poo pooed is a ruse. Until I actually play that game, I don't want to dismiss it because I think. Well, that no, I didn't. Interested. I don't think I've poo pooed ruse, and I actually have an active interest in ruse for one particular reason, uh, and it has nothing to do with the silly trailers they've done with these sort of smoldering male models glaring at each other over the the fancy high tech table. Uh, the the main reason I'm interested in Ruse is is it's these developers called Eugen Systems, and they did a wonderful, it was written off as a Command & Conquer clone, but I don't think it was, because it was in many ways way better than the Command & Conquer games. Eugen Systems made this uh, a game called Act of War, a real strategy game, and they did a great job with that. In terms of the artwork, in terms of the game balance, they did some really cool stuff with the interaction of super weapons, with naval combat. So for that reason... I'm really looking forward to Ruse. As far as the way that Ubisoft is marketing it, I, I couldn't care less. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I don't really care that much about the marketing it, but there's a there's something in the in the and I have no articulate way of saying this, so it's a good thing I don't write for a living. Um, but there's something in the presentation of it that makes me think that the gameplay will be different and interesting for an yeah, RTS. That's, that's what they're and, trying to sell, and yeah, and maybe it may be totally just buying the marketing, which doesn't matter because I'll end up playing the game either way. Um, but that it keeps me interested. Every time I read something more about it or I see something more about it, it makes me think that the presentation layer they spend so much time fawning over may actually make the game play different, and that's interesting to me. A big obstacle for me, and I suspect you share this, Julian, is that it is a World War II RTS. Oh, God, I know. Yeah, Please. I know. I know. We do like I don't know fantasy armies or cavemen. I mean anything really. Please. Uh, there's also the uh, uh, this one that Troy you I pointed it out to you through a door when we were seeing Supreme Commander Two, uh, Order of War. 
Yeah, I know very little about that. Have you? Did you get a chance to take a look at it? I did not. It's a. I think it's a new developer. I could be wrong about that. But Square Enix is publishing it. Uh, right. And so that's also another World War II RTS coming out this year. Uh, Majesty 2. Yeah, I had a saw a preview build of that a few months ago and was not very impressed. So here's um, my thing. I, I agree with you, Troy, because I booted that up, and it was so it was such an early build. It was a while build. ago. That was, that was months ago, though. Yeah, and it was a really early build, so I felt kind of unfair like looking at it and thinking, oh, this is going to be bad, because I, I felt right. like, eh, you know what, I probably shouldn't even think that, even though... Because you know sure. it was so far out, but well, I was, it, it, it did dampen my enthusiasm yeah, for the title. Well, that's that. And I think that Troy was just a case of them maybe sending out builds a little too early uh, and not really tidying them up for press guys like you and me who can't help right. ourselves but make a knee-jerk reaction when we're looking at a, at a build of a game. Uh, right. But he, here's my later thinking: I think it's going to be kind of hard as long as they sort of honor the basic concept of, of majesty. I think it's going to be kind of hard to screw it up because they have that whole majesty idea of you drop the building down and then little autonomous dudes do things and you can sort of influence them, but you're basically watching a a, a kingdom sim. You know, you're watching this kingdom and these heroes do their thing. So right. I think as long as they, and they do appreciate that, they're not reinventing yes, they anything. Uh, I think as long as they don't have, you know, a dumb AI, or as long as they don't just screw up the artwork or whatever, I think I might be predisposed to kind of digging whatever they end up doing. I don't know. So I'm cautiously hopeful about that. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I, I did love the original Majesty. Uh, it does stand out as one of the great little indirect control RTSs. Um, right. it's, it was The Sims before there was The Sims. Exactly. Uh, was it that old? Really? Wasn't it? Well, wait a minute. Um, You're right. You're probably right. Yeah. Trying to think how. When was the original Majesty? Anyway. Um, we so yeah, I mean that. That's um, another. I mean, Cities XL. We've already mentioned, and it's coming out uh, mm-hmm. in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, one that I've had a little bit of time in the beta, but NDA means I can't say too much about it. Um, I am. I've been looking forward to it for a very long time, though. Uh, it's from Monte Cristo, who also did City Life. And I think they sort of proved their city builder chops with City Life, I feel. Yep. So, yep. Are you familiar with City Life, Julian? Yes, I did not play it. I'm not. I, this will be interesting for me playing Cities XL because I'm not, other than sort of a brief dalliance with, you know, SimCity, it's not a genre. I- particularly drawn to, so I've skipped most of the more recent iterations since, I don't know, SimCity 2000 or 3000 or whatever the, the last really successful version was. Uh, right. So I'm, I'm curious to jump back into it. To me, it has all the things that I like about strategy games, except for the part where you kill other people. <laughs> <laughs> now, Troy, do you know if Cities XL is using the same city life population model? Where you have the different classes that uh, some get along, some don't. Do you know if they're doing um, that? From what I can tell so far, in that little bit of time, no, they have different economic classes: qualified, non-qualified labor. Okay, um, they're not doing the whole like blue collar and the artistic. Don't know the, don't know the, the hipsters and the, and the executives beating on each other and the neocons coming in and imposing peace. The neocons um, have of War Dark Crusade, yeah. Exactly. So they've abandoned that to some extent. But the big thing is it's, of course, a, mass, a massively multiplayer city builder, I guess. Mm-hmm. That everyone's on the same planet. 
Which is going to be one big, polluted city. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the different cities on a continent, and uh, I haven't worked out how they all interact yet. Like I said, I've only spent a little bit of time with it, and, you know, NDA and all that. Uh, but we will be devoting some time to that title in an upcoming episode. Uh, speaking of upcoming episodes, we should spend some time now talking about wait, our Dominions. Wait, 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 before what? we move on, I mean, come on, yeah. it's the big, I, I sort of shut Julian down way too early. Oh, StarCraft? Yeah, I mean, it's, that's the... Is that even coming out this, this year? Well, that's I think the, so. I think they'll probably make a Christmas launch. Yeah, I, mean, I do too. I mean, we played it, what, a year ago? I mean, August last year was the first time I had hands-on with it, and it seems it's been pretty playable dark for like a long then. Time. Yeah. yeah. So, um... And there's I mean, some buzz about the beta launching soon. You know, I think that's, right. that's one of those any day now kind of things. Now, th- this is a big thing for you, Tom. They've announced it's not going to have any LAN. Yeah, yeah. So no LAN. Uh, I posted on Fidget 2 about uh, the lead designer, Dustin Browder, talked about some of their, their cool single-player mission designs, which I, you know, just sounds like typical scripting stuff. Uh, and even from looking at the multiplayer videos and from the, the builds I've seen. I mean, I just I'm so unexcited about it. It really does look like a business as usual RTS. And well, to me, it looks like it's been fine tuned for competitive environment, like competitive as in like organized play competitive environment. So I'm right. I'm really interested to see when you sit down as a non professional StarCraft player who hasn't been playing in Korea every day for five hours for the last. 50 years or however long the game's been out, um, whether it's really approachable or whether this has really been tuned to be a competition engine for the legions of StarCraft fanatics. And there are legions of them. They're just not particularly U.S. Um, And so I'm really curious to see that. Well, I suspect well, what they're doing for guys like that, Julian, is that you know their single-player campaign, and they're going to tell a story about the Terrans. And then well, yeah, 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 of course. Well, but I'm just talking about in terms of like the gameplay mechanics, like right. the subtle things, like the interface design, how well it hotkeys, what you can hotkey, whether or not you can do any kind of macro work with it. Um, I mean, to me, all of that gets really interesting because there are not that many games that are true competitive in that sense, right? I mean. Halo 2, StarCraft, what? There are a couple of others, right? Well, I'm, I'm not clear what you're saying that are, are true competitive, because that, that's part of why I'm, I'm talking not about, I'm talking about like organized. I'm talking about well, it's, it's organized solving play. things that have already been solved. I mean, RTSs, there are plenty of great conventional RTSs, uh, so that I don't get super excited about another one. Uh, but I'm sorry, I no, cut no, you off. Go ahead. No, my, my point is that there are not very many games that are played sort of at a, at a mass community level as competitively as, like, StarCraft and Halo 2, where where people still in other parts of the world get together and fill stadiums to watch people play games, right? It just doesn't happen with very many games. And so it's, I'm, I, my, my belief is, from what I've played of StarCraft 2, that it has been finely tuned for that environment, for, you know, quasi-professional players, people who really, really, really dedicate time to the game, who work on strategies, who work with a team, um, right. and and I'm just sort of curious to see how that has evolved. 
I wonder how much they've changed uh, for the game. Because I'd hate to be, you know, the the greatest three point shooter in basketball, and then they take away the three point line. Well, exactly. And I think that's what I, was, I mean. They'd be the greatest StarCraft player in Korea, and then they give me a new StarCraft. I mean, the league's <laughs> going to have to adjust for this. Yeah, well, that's that's. Uh, I mean, I, to me, that story, right? I want to be in Korea when they launch StarCraft. I don't want to be here. Well, now, I don't know if you guys know this. But when StarCraft 2 comes out, they're not canceling StarCraft 1. No, <laughs> People can still play that. <laughs> yeah, no, no one over here plays StarCraft 1 anymore. It's unplayable. I mean, it's really, it's wretched. It's just wretched. I've tried. You cannot... I, I went back to it last year, and I, I really had a hard time first yeah. getting into the, the, the look of it. I forgot how big things were. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's I, I feel compelled to play it, and I feel even sort of compelled to, once a release date gets announced, I'm, you know what, I'm sure I'm excited as, as it gets closer. I, I love RTSs, even mediocre ones, yeah. but at this point, it's one of the games that I'm, you know, for such a big title, I am just so completely excited about, about StarCraft 2. Uh, I'm not expecting yeah, to enjoy playing it all that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to play it for the podcast. That's true, yeah. yep. <laughs> Uh, Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll go over well in my house. <laughs> um, I do want to end with updating on our Dominions uh, game, Dominions 3. Bruce isn't with us. Um, he's already sent me his first turn. The game uh, is afoot. The game is afoot. I want to remind our listeners we are doing uh, our next, our big, our current multiplayer game is Dominions 3. The four of us are playing on the Formageddon map. It's a custom-made map. It's a rectangle. Now, who we made that? Start we know. Should we, we credit? I uh, I actually put you on the spot. You and, may not know. You know what? I do not know right okay. off. Yeah, uh, to the podcast. Uh, I will be sure to mention them in the next podcast, as well as footnote it uh, in the notes. Um, what races did you guys choose and why, Tom? So, I chose... Vanheim, and I think they're just big Hulkin, bruiser, Norsey kind of giant dudes. And the reason I chose them is because the last time I played, I recall getting beat mercilessly by the Vanheim player. I would have my little armies of Ulm or whatever, and I would have a bunch of dudes, and I'd march into a battle, and you know, you can't interact the battle, you see a replay of it, and I would see all of my guys arrayed on one side, and he'd have a few giants, and I would <laughs> think, oh, <laughs> poor guy, I'm about to kill all of his giants. And and then his giants kill all of my little dudes. So I'm like hoping to apply some of that demoralizing effect to you guys oh, with Van. Julian, you, I'm, Julian, I'm, you chose. I've chose Tian Chi, which is the sort of mock Asian race, for no other reason than as I was learning this game over the last month, it seemed easy, and I'm all about easy. And I don't mean easy as in like I could win, but easy as in like oh, I understand what a chariot does. Not you know I don't need to figure that out right I know if I put four chariots in the field against a bunch of guys on foot I'm going to do okay um, so that that's totally the reason 100 percent that it seemed very straightforward yeah to be precise Tian Chi is like Imperial China because right. they're also Japanese uh, Asians just oh, too that's general right. there is there is one too um, and but, I, I go ahead. Um, but but the, I mean, I, and we're not disclosing, I guess, anything about our pretenders. But I, I will I will give you guys the deep insight into my strategy that my choice and my pretender is equally inspired. <laughs> you, you chose the giant rock, didn't you? <laughs> the giant what? 
the giant, giant rock. Giant oh, rock. No, right. I chose, the obelisk, I, chose a really, yeah. I chose a really obvious, straightforward pretender. The paradigm. Buddha. Yeah. yeah. I, I chose Lachma uh, because I like monkeys. <laughs> I can't uh, remember what called? those guys do. They're the ones with the thousands of little one-point monkeys. Yeah, yeah. Lachma are the are they're in, inspired by uh, Indian mythology. Wait, uh, so Lachma? I have a lot of monkey soldiers. Lakma, yes. That's the L.A. County Museum of Art. <laughs> yes, well, he's a very artistic guy. He chose. You're, you're yes, playing, well, you're they're playing they're... like curators and get what... Wait, spell it for me. I can't believe I can't visualize who these people are. Lakma? L-A-K-M-A. Man, wow, okay. And they're monkeys? They have monkey soldiers. I'm like, <laughs> the king of the monkeys running like, around. As far as I can figure out, they're sort of the Zerg, because you can just buy an infinite quantity of these little monkeys for like a dollar. I mean, they're so cheap. Yeah, they're 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 going to hoard you with monkeys. No, you know, they're uh, an interesting race. Uh, they've got uh, because they're big on big on different types of magic. Uh, but yeah, they've got different types of monkey soldiers, and I just like the idea of Bruce killing all my monkeys because that makes him seem evil. So I don't think monkeys tend to fare very well in most strategy games. The last strategy game, Troy, that I can think of with monkeys was uh, one of the Egyptian priests in Age of Mythology can summon wild animals. And when we play Age of Mythology here on the land, uh, we have a great time giggling about one of the priests attacking with macaques, because that's, that's funny. So there you go. There, there's some monkey strategy for you. Build a lot of macaques and then make jokes about you're going to attack us with a macaque. Now, wait a minute. Did I, I don't think I... I thought it was Lachma. That could be wrong. <laughs> you got the name wrong? <laughs> I, well, now it could be... Big, oh, this could be Bandar Log. Now, wait a minute. Lachma is the L.A. County Museum of the Arts. <laughs> I think, why, where did Lachma come from? The L.A. County Museum of the Arts. Yeah, see, I don't think that's it. <laughs> At any rate, still go with the whole macaques gag. That's funny. Anyway, I got I got monkeys. Okay. I got lots and lots of monkeys. Troy's going to attack us with his macaques. Well, all, all I know is that I have yet to actually get my turn to load. I'm playing on my MacBook. Oh, no, 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 Lanka. Sorry, Lanka, not Lakma. Lanka. Like Sri Lanka. There we I'm, go. I'm going to be playing Mocha. God. Uh, you're Lakma. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, MoMA. I'm sorry. Metropolitan Museum of the Arts. I'll be MoMA. You be LACMA. Julian, uh, you can be some uh, museum in, I don't know, in middle America. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Lanka. And, God, and why the hell did I call it anyway? <laughs> well, well there's, that name is now locked in place, Troy. You can bet that... Yeah, I am now LACMA. <laughs> you're LACMA. And who did Bruce pick? What, uh, since he's the only one who knows what he's doing, really. He took one of the new races, one of the ones introduced in a patch. He took the Gath. Gath? Gath. G A T H. Gath. I thought this was you know, um, a particular form of note. Yes, no. Uh, <laughs> they are based on uh, biblical giants. Uh, Gath, oh. of course, big city of the Philistines. Uh, sons of Nephilim are in here, and Goliath. So they were introduced in the 3.17 patch. So we have, you know, no information on them whatsoever from the manual. So Bruce is already Yee. cheating. Yeah, very sneaky. All right. All right, so, well, of yeah, course, we all know, you know, truce. We're not attacking each other, right? We just go after no. Bruce. I call it Bruce. Once we find out where Bruce is. But like I said, he's already sent his turn. Uh, you've had some trouble sending yours, Julian. You get right on fixing that. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. And Tom, you're slow with everything, so I'll get your turn, you know, next week sometime. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
We'll be covering Blood Bowl in an upcoming episode. Not quite sure if it'll be next week, uh, because I do want Julian to get his fingers on it. Tom, make sure you get Blood Bowl. I am doing my bet. Well, it's not out in the United States yet, technically, so... Download. But you, you can still buy it. From buy France. It no, you buy it on download. It's just not out in retail yet. Right, you buy it from France, right? Isn't that how you get it? Like, it's not on Steam or anything, right? No, you buy, it on, you buy it from France, yes. All right. That's all I'm buying from France. What well, do you think is French people? Maybe I'm boycotting them because they weren't part of the Coalition of the Willing. Hello. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Now, if they were from Polish. Of course. I'll play Polish games. Painkiller. Right? Those people yeah. know how to make games, and they know how to go to war with America. Damn it. So that that was uh, I was just channeling Bruce briefly. Yes, I'm I'm very much looking forward to Blood Bowl and uh, Bill Abner's uh, insistent viral marketing has worked on me. So uh, I look forward to trying it and us doing our Blood Bowl podcast. I'm definitely on board. Yes, that. which uh, yeah. will not be next week. Uh, not the one after that either. I guess that's it, guys. Uh, anything else to say? This is where say we good. would play the hip hop music from Bruce. If you were here. Hey, I did the beatboxing last week. Who does it this week? <laughs> That was so great. So I got old. so many. I got so many emails about that. We'll just loop that in again. So. Liar. I did not. I am a liar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, say good night, guys. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>